0: Blob Talk Radio. You are now listening to the sounds of. You are now listening to the sounds of. You are now listening to the sounds of.
1: Can be? So I believe God blesses us I believe God blesses those that hustle Those that use their mind And those that overall are righteous I believe that your karma your, Everything that you do bad comes back to you So anything that I'm doing that's bad I'm not to suffer for But in my heart I think what I'm doing is right You know what I mean? So I feel like I'm going to have it I don't want to See I'm smart enough to know It's not my game to play Just to pawn like everybody else Intelligently, a pawn can create a checkmate, Mr. Williams. Or become a very powerful player himself.
2: Don't you understand? This is all a game. All of this. Like basketball, football.
3: Mr. Big Time Track a game. You play it, and you play it to win. Because
1: in the real world, no one wants to hear excuses or empty rhetoric. No. They want to know if you have a plan want to know if you have a plan. You want to know if you have a plan. You want to know if you have a plan. Are you
0: ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen,
2: Uh, hello and
3: welcome, everybody, on this fine Saturday afternoon. Reporting live from King of Prussia, this is the Collective. I'm your humble host, Martin Sorris, uh, back again for what I believe is week nine of our show. Um, glad to be here once again. Um, I'm joined by my spirited co-hosts, Mr. Jason Reels, Mr. Lawrence Reels, and Mr. Tommy Hill. Uh, We're all here on the line uh, for another week, ready to talk some more uh, sports, some more music, and some more TV and film. Before we get started, we have to shout out our sponsors, uh, Blog Talk Radio, and of course our wonderful, wonderful network, The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities. Uh, We want to shout out all of our listeners and callers over the last uh, eight or nine weeks, um that have joined us. We appreciate uh your time. We appreciate your call and we appreciate the input um from our live callers and our podcast listeners. Um uh last week I I foreshadowed would be our, our best show and I and I, I think we accomplished that. I think we've I think we've been able to cover a uh a broad span of topics pretty well. Um, Since we've gotten started each week, I think we've been able to expand um, our topics each week, which is what The the Collective is all about, obviously. Um, I'm going to go out there on the limb and say we're going to have an even better show this week and um, even more spread out in terms of the topics we have set up for each segment. Um, First and foremost, I uh, I think we should recap from last week. Of course, last Saturday we we uh we were we were right at the at the tipping point of March Madness um of course the final four games were played uh last saturday night on the show last week we went around and made our picks um it turned out that the championship game of course Louisville and Michigan advanced to the championship um uh it it turned out that Lawrence made made the made the right picks going to the championship he had Michigan <clears throat> playing Louisville which he picked last week. Um but uh in terms of the winner, um Jason and I uh won out with Louisville um obviously coming out on top and congratulations to Louisville for winning uh their national championship. Rick Petino obviously much deserved. Um another great March Madness for us to to recap off of. Um uh, to just kind of give a basic background from, from from the final four matchups, you know, Louisville, Wichita State, Syracuse, Michigan. Um, Wichita State gave Louisville uh, certainly a, a run for their money. Um, I know a couple people on the show last week touched on, um, you know, we talked about Wichita State's potential as a team and as a unit. And, um, you know, of course, they, they controlled the game for about 27 minutes. Um uh, they came out strong. Uh, they were up one at halftime. Um, Louisville came back, scored 47 points in that second half. Uh, they were still down 12 with 13 minutes left before they went on that 21-8 run. And, uh, you know, Luke Hancock, who became the theme for Louisville in that Final Four, um, uh, really sealed the deal in that game, hit a couple big threes down there in the last eight minutes. Um and made some, made some really key plays there down the stretch uh, to help Louisville advance. And then, of course, the Syracuse-Michigan game, um, Trey Burke, basically non-existent, went one for eight, didn't have a great team. Michigan as a whole didn't have a great shooting game. Uh, we talked about how they would have to deal with that zone of Syracuse. Um, seemingly, they didn't do great with it. I mean, your two best shooters, Tim Hardaway and Nick Stauskas, Stauskas, rather, uh finished the combined five for twenty eight from the field. Really not a great shooting game for Michigan. Um they came out and scored thirty six points in that first half and they had the eleven point advantage. Um and in the second half it really came down to beating Syracuse at their own game. And, you know, the CJ Fair came up big, he had twenty point twenty two points in that game and was really the only highlight of Syracuse's offense. And as a result uh, you know, with Michigan and that dynamic offense they had, they came out on top and of course this year the championship game Louisville wins 82-76 uh again excuse me Luke Hancock um came out player of the year of the final four uh, a player of uh, mvp rather of uh of the championship uh, much uh, definitely much deserving of uh, what what he did in that final four game against Wichita State really translated into the championship um uh, uh, everything about the championship game really embodied college basketball and March Madness as a whole. Um, so uh, kind of a fitting ending. I will, uh, to wrap up my thoughts, um, with Louisville, uh, we said it last week. You know, we've been saying it over the last couple weeks, beating a team like Louisville is considered a marathon and definitely not a sprint. Um, in some cases it is a sprint because, you know, with Russ Smith and Peyton Smith, those, Peyton Siever, those guys are so fast. Um, but when I say that, I mean you you, you have to put together a 40-minute effort to to beat this team, which is part of the reason why I felt comfortable uh, picking them as the champions last week. Um, uh, All 40 minutes just in your face, um, not backing down. You know, with Russ Russ Smith um, really didn't play well in that championship game, but you had Peyton Ziva starting out really aggressive. You had Luke Hancock making shots. Um and of course the that front line at Louisville was just so dominant with, with Shane Be Behannon, um uh the, the Kid Harrell and and um and and Morty Jang. Um I really was impressed with Behannon's presence inside in that second half. I thought he really established them in the paint and, and gave them that advantage um over Michigan. I think that's really where they started to establish their dominance there in the second half and get themselves rolling. Um, so, again, Louisville comes out on top. Um, I want to go around real quick, get other guys' reactions to uh, the end of Final Four before we go on. Um, uh, T. Hill, uh, what were your thoughts on the Final Four and in in that final championship game?
4: Uh, man, I can't even uh, – first of all, I just want to say I'm glad to be back with y'all. Um, I had a few things going on in my life, but you know what I mean? Got to keep my head up, got to keep my face strong, but um, – Yo, with that game, I can't even I can't even break it down better than you did. It was just a great game. The um the effort, it was um the runs. It was one of the probably the best college basketball game I've ever seen, and um that's going back to the um, Mario Chalmers versus versus Derrick Rose. That was the uh, Memphis versus Kansas finals, right? I'm not if I'm, I'm not yeah. mistaken. Besides that game, this was one of the best games I've seen, and uh, the Hannon... His presence in the paint in the second half, and uh, I think um, Peyton Siva, his uh, his control of the game, his his attacking attacking of the paint constantly. He really he made his, his mark in that game. I think Louisville played very well, top to bottom. Um, Russ Smith didn't even have that good of a game, like you said, but um, they came. There were a couple questionable calls uh, both ways. I think that that block that Trey Burke had on um on was, was outrageous. That was clean. Bad. <laughs> that was such a bad call. But, um, but got, he got mauled when, uh, he, he had a series of putbacks there too. So there were a couple of bad calls. But, um, I just took from it. It was a great game. I was rooting for Michigan, you know, because, you know, going into the game, I, I didn't really have a pick, but as the game started going on, you I started seeing, uh, you know, Trey Burke was, Trey Burke is, 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 is is a very very good ball handler, and the way he was blown by Russ Smith, who was one of the best defensive players in all college basketball, was very impressive to me. And um, you know, I, I wanted him to do it. They needed uh, a little more. He needed a little more help from um, Hardaway and Robinson Jr. Um, like I mean, Stephen A. alluded to that. I was watching First Take earlier this week. And um, but yeah, it was just a great game, and I'm happy for Louisville. I'm happy for Kevin Ware. Who. Um, broke his leg, and they really rallied for him in, uh, in, a, spirited, in a spirited run to the championship. Uh,
3: sure, uh, absolutely. Uh, Al Reels, your thoughts on the Final
2: Four from last week? Well, I mean, to begin, I I'm very happy that it was an actual good game in the final, which I feel like we've kind of been missing the last few years. Kind of been a slower-paced, more defensive-minded game. This was a, this was mm-hmm. a good high-powered basketball game. It was a lot of offense, a lot of good offense. There were a lot of pros in this game, realistically. I mean, Louisville has a handful of them, and, and so does uh, Michigan. Um, I think that, if anything, this is very promising for Michigan because most of the guys are underclassmen. I mean, they they may lose Trey Burke to the draft. I think he, he's good enough to be able to step into the NBA right now and, and contribute as a point guard on some team that, that needs one. And, um Tim Hardaway Jr. is the same thing. I feel like he's good enough to be a pro right now. But if, if those guys hang around, Michigan's a scary, scary team to have to deal with in the uh, in the upcoming future. Um, I I said this last week on the show, and uh, I just want to reiterate my point because I, I feel like I, I kind of hit the nail on the head. Not to see my own horn, but I said that Peyton Siva was going to be huge for Louisville in order to uh, to be able to win a championship. Like Russ Smith. Is a, is a fantastic basketball player. He's a great scorer, but I knew that especially with the matchup with him and Tim Hardaway Jr., the way Tim Hardaway Jr. has about five, six inches on him. I knew that uh, Peyton Siva was going to have to do a lot offensively against Trey Burke, kind of get him in foul trouble, uh, make him have to work on the defensive end. So it wasn't just that he was only saving all of his energy for the offensive end, and Peyton Siva did a great job of that. Obviously, Luke Hancock shot the mess out of the ball. I mean, he he can realistically also be a pro. He's got good size. He he showed in the Wichita State game that he can actually put it on the floor, get to the rim, make some plays. And uh,
0: I mean, Louisville
2: was was the best team in college basketball this year. It, it kills me to say that, but I mean, they were. They were. They um, they they won with defense throughout the entire year. They had good enough offense to be able to get them over the hump. Peyton Steve and Russ Smith, as defenders are so crazy. Like they're such hounds. These guys are all over the ball. Like you, you realistically can't take a play off when you have to deal with a patent Steven Russ Smith guarding you because they're the 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 amount of ball pressure they apply on the opposite teams backcourt is ridiculous. I mean Trey Burke obviously was able to handle that because he's a pro and, and he's probably the best point guard, I mean uh, so he got player of the year realistically, so he may be the best player in college basketball. So, um, I mean, they definitely had their hands full. But, I mean, if you if you see Peyton Teeve on the defensive end, he just comes up with play after play, whether it's a ball deflection, whether it's catching someone who's coming off of a screen and not paying attention and just sprinting by them. He uses that speed on the defensive end, which is, which is fantastic, because, I mean, he's obviously a smaller guard. He's pretty undersized. I mean, he's a really good athlete, so that makes up for it. But at the same time, I mean, he – he is super fast, and he is a defensive hound. So I, I think that realistically Louisville won with defense. I mean, there was a lot of offense in that championship game, which was great to see. I mean, as a fan, we want to see offense. We want to see highlights. We want to see a lot of scoring. And I feel like we've got a good deal of that. I, I mean, Louisville just my, – my thing about Louisville, the last point I'll make about Louisville, is that throughout the entire tournament, they were down. They, I mean, they went down in a bunch of different games. I mean, you talk about the Michigan game. You talk about the Wichita State game. You talk about the Duke or the Duke game. Even. I mean, they went down and just fought back. I mean, Louisville was the was the team that got punched and punched back every single time. And, and I mean that—that's what defines a good team. I mean, Rick Pitino is one of the best coaches to ever do it in college basketball, and he showed why he is. I mean, he—he he got his guys to play as a cohesive unit. I think that the Kevin Ware injury really helped them out a lot emotionally. It kind of like it, it gave them that that chip on the shoulder. Like, all right, we got to win this for our guy that just went down with one of the more horrific injuries we've ever seen in sports. So. Uh, I, I mean, congrats to Louisville. My hat's off to them. I did pick Michigan to win, so I, w- I was wrong. I mean, I I picked Michigan kind of more hoping than than realistically thinking they would win. I mean, I, I thought that Louisville was one of the best teams in the tournament, and I, I I hope they didn't win, especially after they beat my Dukies, But you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Louisville definitely deserved it, and uh, yeah, I mean, they played they played their butts off, and and it's, it's well deserved. Yeah, I mean,
3: a Michigan pick, like I said last week, after your after you made the pick, it definitely wasn't unwarranted. Um, I, seemingly they were, they could have been the hottest team in the tournament at that time with Mitch McGarry playing like he was, and and you know, usually picking the hot team is is the way to go. Um, like you said, and, and kind of like to what I was saying before about it, we said it again, you know, being able to punch back. And like you said, Louisville was down, um, since the elite eight, when they played Duke, they, they were in games that they were down all the way to the championship. But as we said, it's a mar- it was a marathon with them and they made it a marathon. You have to be able to, to take punches and, and, and throw punches with them all the way for 40 minutes. So well, you're right. It's a testament to them. Um, to something you said, and, I, and I'll uh, kick it to Jay and kind of get his thoughts on Louisville um, and, and let him start off on his thoughts on on players that have started to declare for the draft. Um, a few players have, have since announced, a few players are still on the fence. Um, uh, Russ Smith, since we're, you know, we're talking about Louisville and Russ Smith, uh, he, he's become, it's really weird, he's become an on the fence guy, but apparently his dad declared for the draft for him and Talked to the media and said that he would be in the draft, but since Rick Pitino has said that Russ Smith is undecided, so um, I guess I'll kick it to Jade now, getting thoughts on the on from the Final Four in Louisville, um, but also um, you know just a few guys that have that have actually declared: uh, Michael Carter Williams from Syracuse, um, obviously Anthony Bennett from UNLV has declared, um, CJ Leslie, Ben Mclemore, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller. Um, To name a few, um, Deshaun Thomas, obviously, um, a few guys who haven't. Trey Burke has not officially declared yet. Um, Gordy Jang from Louisville, Tim Hardaway Jr. from Michigan has not declared yet. So um, I'll kick it to Jay now, get his thoughts on Louisville, and also uh, kind of start the the little discussion of who we think uh, should be going, who maybe shouldn't be going, and who might be the most ready um, to, to go on to the NBA.
2: So, um, um, first of all, I'm very, very happy with uh, with the Final Four this year. Um, the championship game, like everybody has said, over the last few years has not been great. You know, that Butler-Duke game was actually terrible. Um, and I'm not saying that because I hate Duke. I'm just saying that because it was just a bad game. Um, but this game, uh, if you you know listened in last week, I, I picked Syracuse to beat Michigan, but I also said for the for for the, for the sake of the actual championship game and, and the entertainment value of it, I was hoping Michigan won because it would you know pose a more entertaining championship game, and that was that was excellent. I mean, I think that was terrific for the NCAA, um, and I, I I think you know for college basketball that was the way that they wanted to end that season with that type of game. So you know. Um, congratulations to both Michigan and Louisville for getting there. Um, obviously. Um, so getting to the game, um, they're are a bunch of unsung heroes, um, from that Louisville team. You know, I think if I had to if I had to rank Louisville players as far as who's the most valuable player in that game, I would have to go with Shane Behan. And he kept them afloat in that championship game when things were getting rough with timely offensive rebounds and, and and making plays in the paint and being a presence and being tough. And he had a double double and he was just he was just terrific. If I had to choose the M V P of for that game and not of the whole Final Four, I think I think Luke Hancock definitely deserved to be M V P of the final four. If I had to pick an M V P of that game, I would have to go with the hand and because of the work that he did inside. On the defensive and offensive end, and just keeping you know Louisville afloat when things were getting bad. Okay, so my 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 whole thing about Louisville that I've been saying all week, and uh, and I've talked to some people about their team and Lawrence, you know, alluded to it. They are the most mentally tough team in the country, hands down. The the resiliency that they show all year. And then, especially in the tournament in in the in final four and championship games was was just remarkable and you know yeah that that's that's like a product of of a Rick Pitino coach team they're going to be tough, that's a product of the East team they're going to be tough, and they in that toughness won them the championship they like Lauren said they went down big in two huge high pressure games it was like they, it didn't matter you know they were down 12 to Michigan didn't matter they were down big against Wichita state it, it didn't phase them at all they trusted their system they stuck with their system and they and they believed that at the end of the day that their system would work and the toughness and the resiliency to stick with your system even when things are going bad it's it's very rare to see that in college basketball and and they are they were the toughest Team in the country mentally, and that's why they won a championship. Ultimately, um, the one negative that I take out of it is that you so have a Big East team. You could have possibly had two Big East teams in a national championship game, and now this conference is, is no more. and And it, 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 it's sad, and and it, it's sad because as a fan and as an East Coast basketball, you know, fanatic. You know, the big East was everything for me with college basketball. Probably a a huge reason, besides the fact that I played college basketball, that I'm so into college basketball, possibly more so than the NBA, is because, you know, of the big East, And, you know, each year they, they get at least one team in there in the Final Four, and they always have multiple teams that are contenders. And for that league to be broken up, um, you know, the way it did because of money and politics and things like that. It's just so, so sad for college basketball and basketball as a whole. And, um, you know, I'm happy for Big East fans, you know, for Louisville fans, obviously, that, you know, the last year of the Big East, the Big East team went and won the championship. And, and you know, that was just everything for me. And that was actually part of the reason why I, I picked Louisville. Um so that was, you know, that was terrific to see. It was, it's a, it's, it's a little bittersweet, um, but you know, that that's just, you know, when we have kids one day, we can tell, and we're watching college basketball with them, we can tell them about the Big East Conference and say, you know, that was the best conference in basketball for years, and and the players, the type of players that came through the Big East, the attitude that came along with the Big East you know, playing their conference tournament at the Garden, like the mystique of the the Big East will will last forever. And I just feel like I had to touch on that, being that, you know, Louisville did win win the whole thing. Um, So, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll stop talking about the the Big East and and, and the NCAA tournament before I get emotional and uh, get to some of the NBA prospects. Uh, uh, Martin mentioned Anthony Bennett from UNLV. He's a freshman, Um, you know, he and Archie Goodwin from Kentucky, um, B.J. Young from Arkansas. There's only a a, a few freshmen this year who are entering the draft, Um, and Anthony Bennett is the most ready out of all of them. I actually think his game is going to flourish in the NBA in comparison to, to college because of how wide open the NBA is and how the floor is just spread, and you can't help on this kid in the NBA like you were able to do in college. And he is going to be a problem. I, honestly, he, he's going to be I, – I feel like he has the potential to be a double-double guy and one of the more versatile four, kind of three-guard-like three, you know, three players in the league in the next coming year. That's how legit he is. Um, as far as people leaving um, early – that possibly aren't already. You know, Phil Pressey from Missouri, he's a, he's a terrific player. I actually wish he would have stayed in college for a senior year, um, because he's been that much of a of a impact player in college. Um he's an NBA talent though. He you know he's he's a small guard. He's only about five nine, five ten, but he he's in that Peyton fever mode where he's just super fast, I'm a terrific athlete and he's actually more skilled than than his. he is. So he's going to be terrific. Michael Carter-Williams, you know, is another freshman that's going into the draft. He's six six. He's a point guard. He can handle the ball. I personally think another year of college would have served him really well. Another year in, you know, a strength conditioning program at Syracuse. Another year, you know, playing big-time college basketball, just absolutely, like, fine tuning everything and then going for the draft. I think he would have possibly made more money and been a higher pick in next year's draft in comparison to coming out this early. But I, I think he'll be terrific. Um Cody Zeller and old Depot leaving Indiana, um those make sense um for sure. Uh I think both of them are are ready. You know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where Victor O Depot plays, what position he plays in the NBA. Because he has good sides, but he doesn't have prototypical NBA two-man size. So is he going to be a point guard or is he going to be a two-guard? His athleticism, you know, he's probably the best athlete in the, in, in college basketball this year. Um, his athleticism will allow him to, to guard um, NBA uh, shooting guards, but is he going to be actually ready to score against them and be effective on the offensive end is kind of my question with him. Um, And I'll just go over one more person, Ben Macklemore from Kansas. I liked him at the beginning of the year when I saw him, you know, initially. If you watch him play, it seems like he's kind of modeled his game after Ray Allen, and, and you know, same mannerisms, you know, same shooting, you know, uh, technique, which is really rare to see somebody that actually looks like he shoots like Ray Allen. Like, you don't really see that at all. And, and this kid has that he has terrific size but I think personally again with him another year of college would have served him well. I mean obviously Bill Self would have enjoyed having him for another year at Kansas. That would have, you know, made them a just with him alone coming back would have made them, you know, a top five preseason team. Um but uh he he'll be a good pro and and, and I believe that I, I think the program the, the the NBA game, much like Anthony Bennett, will suit his game more than college basketball does. So he'll be he'll be interesting to see how he pans out. I overall though, I think this class is relatively you know, I, I I don't see there being a I don't see there being a number one clear number one pick. I don't see anybody that's gonna come in and change a franchise. I, I don't see any of those like type of impact players, but it's a it's a crop of very good players that you know could at the end of the day pan out to be a, a decent class. Um, so you know obviously we got to wait and see, but it, it's not a super class by any means. I would even argue that last year's class was was head and shoulders better than this one with Anthony Davis going number one. Um, but you know we'll see. We'll see. it'll be it'll be interesting to see where people go for sure
4: um yeah definitely you uh you mentioned a few uh a few
3: you know important names there um uh, Russ what do you think about Russ smith Jay? would you like do you want to see him stay another year or what what do you think with him
2: um i think i think he should probably go now because louisville won the championship uh, you know you see a lot of guys who play on championship teams. And it's rare that, you know, you come back the next year with that same group or or a similar group and do the same thing, um, which could ultimately hurt his draft stock. He hurt his own draft stock on on Monday night, not playing well in that championship game with everyone watching. But, you know, his overall body of work this year was, was obviously terrific. He actually had great numbers in the tournament, you know, leading up to the final four. He just didn't play that well in the final four, and that could have been because of the pressure of it, because the team's paying more attention to him, um, seeing better defenders, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, But I I think he should go now. You know, I I believe in striking while the iron's hot and and going while you're hot and your team's hot. So if he goes now, you know, I don't think he starts anywhere. I don't think you take him – and the first, he's definitely, certainly not a lottery pick. But if you can get Russ Smith at the end of the first round, possibly early second round, um, you know, I would think that would be that would be a, a nice pickup for a team as possibly a backup point guard who can give you some good minutes. You know, he's going to play defense. He's going to play hard. Um, so he, he he'll be a, he'll be a good pro, I think as well. Um uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the move. Um,
3: yes, yeah, uh we'll you know, we'll we'll definitely look out for that. Um uh, uh T Hill, how about you give us uh your thoughts? Um and I guess I'll ask the question if and I'll ask the same question to Lawrence as well, um after you're done, what, who out of this class, out of um all of the potential draftees, uh, if you were to start an NBA franchise, who would you who would you want to pick out of this class?
4: Um, I would I would say uh, Aaron Gordon, the high school kid from uh, the kid that played in McDonald's high school All American game. <laughs> Not no, he's going, to, going to high school. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, would probably, I would take uh, Nerland's Noel. You know, like like Jay was saying, there's no no real standout pop out guy that's going to change, a, completely come in and change a franchise. So you know, Nerlens Noel with his defensive presence could come in immediately and help out a you know. You would like to see him go to a to a more proven team, a team that has more of a playoff ability, maybe like the New York Knicks or something like that. But that's not really really realistic. He'll probably go first pick overall to um, the Bobcats, which which is, is a sad sad story in itself. But um, as far as far as the whole, I got a big problem with the the, um, the one and done that in in this college. Era, I, I think. I, I feel like you to have to stay in school at least three years, two, three years. They got to change this rule because a lot of these kids, they're coming out and they're in a rush to go to the D league. I feel like Cause there's only four or five of these guys that are going to start or uh, are going to stick with the franchise immediately and have a, a role in the team. And I, I just feel like a lot of these guys are just not ready to make this jump to the next level. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, it's, this draft in itself is is very, very weak. And I'm not taking anything away from these kids' talent and what they've done in college, but to make this jump now, it it's, it bothers me. And if they're going to do that, they might as well let some of these high school kids go come right out of high school because I, I, realistically I saw a, a few kids in that McDonald's All-Star game that would go uh, over some of these guys that are coming out now. I would take the kid Aaron Gordon first overall in the NBA draft if he if he was eligible to come out. I mean, you see this kid running the floor, throwing alley oops to himself, ball handles, six eight. I don't see any anybody coming out of um, the college ranks this year that has any of his skills. So um, you know, I, I mean, I got I got a problem with it. I think, I think some a rule has to change with that whole that whole dynamic right there. Yeah, so that would be uh, that would be my take on it
3: okay uh understood like it's uh it's obviously um and I to some level, I do agree with you, I think guys like uh John wall and derek rose and and Carmelo Anthony and kevin Durant um make it hard to make that case because you do have guys that are that are certified one year I'm coming to college, I make a name and and these you know all the guys I just named went in and you know all those guys are stars. I think when you talk about this draft, you don't see a lot of stars. For me, I, I think I, I do recognize the potential. So I think most – and I think you guys are both right, Tommy and Jay. I mean, I think you have a lot of guys in this draft that can help NBA teams, your Victor Oladipos, your your Cody Zellers, um, you know, your, your trade – I mean, Michael Carter-Williams, I, I think you have guys that will help. I don't think we see as many stars in this draft, which is why I think we have – more, uh, you know, more of a sense that it's it's a weaker draft, which is fair to say because, like you said, you know, with Anthony Davis being last year's number one pick, I mean, uh, and Michael Carter there, Michael rather, you know, you had guys that you felt were, you know, really top level talents. I, I think, I, so I, I'm of that mindset. I do agree with you though. I think it should be. I think a two year rule wouldn't hurt a lot of people. I think to be to be able to see certain guys come back for a second year would be nice. Um, uh, we'll wrap it up with L and then ask, have his answer to the question. L, who would you take if you were starting an NBA team? Um, who would you want to draft from this class?
2: Well, I, I think Jay made it a lot of good points. And, I, I mean, I like the two guys he really talked about, in, uh, Ben McElmore and Anthony Bennett. I mean, I'm looking at uh, Net here, and um, they have projected Ben McElmore going first and Anthony Bennett holding down the fifth spot of the first round. though um, the guys they got filling in there they got the kid Marcus Smart who's a freshman from um, Oklahoma State they got the Noel going to and Otto Porter from Georgetown going uh, four. but I think realistically um, Ben McLemore's game is ready for the NBA I mean he he has proven that he did have a, a he didn't have as explosive of a year as I would have hoped especially after watching him early on and I mean, hearing like Ray Allen comparisons. I mean, you expect you expect a lot out of a guy, and you know? and I think he he didn't necessarily meet all of those expectations. But but like you said, the upside is definitely there. I mean, the, this guy, the guy Ben Macklemore, really has potential to score in in large doses. I mean, he he can do it from every angle. He he shoots the mess out of the ball. He's very athletic, and. um I mean, he has good size. He has good build. He he has an NBA body, and he he can realistically be a a very good, a very strong contributor to an NBA team right now. I mean, who are we looking at getting the first pick right now? Probably, uh, like maybe Charlotte or or Washington or something like that. What, like one of those teams. I feel like him on one of those teams can actually be very good, very productive. I mean, I don't necessarily feel like there's any franchise players in this draft but i mean you never know realistically because there's always guys that slip through the cracks you you're always going to have a a manu ginobili who doesn't get picked up until the end of the second round guys that guys that fall through and really really develop and come on late um i i do like anthony bennett's game a lot as well i think that he is nba ready i mean this kid is huge and he does a little bit of everything i mean uh when Tommy was talking about the kid, um, Aaron Gordon, the uh, the high school kid. I think Anthony Bennett kind of has a similar game to him. I mean, he, he's a big that can put it on the floor, can shoot the ball from the outside, can can get to the rim and really create matchup problems for guys. Because, I mean, you can pull your big out of the paint and keep him on this with hit, knocking down 17-footers pretty consistently. I mean, he's a, he is an aggressive big. He's not like a... Uh, Sorry Martin but he's not a pal. He's not one he's not like a finesse big that's like that's going to just try to do things around the rim but not necessarily try to go to the rim. He's a guy that's really going to try to go to the rim. He's going to challenge you at the rim. He's going to he's going to posterize some people. I mean he and he and he did it in college and he's going to he's going to do some of that in the NBA. I mean I think I think his size up and his upside is 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 huge and I mean, he can definitely be a, a a good contributor. I I do like I like Trey Burke a lot as well. I I mean, I think that's a guy who who can realistically. I mean, the point guard position right now we know is is one of the hottest positions in basketball. I mean, it always is, and and it's the floor general. But I I think that I mean, with all the up and coming point guards we have, are I mean. Up and coming from a few years ago, that have kind of really solidified themselves. Whether that's like a, a Rondo or a, a, I mean, Chris Paul has been doing it for some time now, but he's really, really there now. And, and I mean, Kyrie Irving coming up. I mean, we got we're seeing point guards that can really score the basketball. And um, Trey Burke is is one of those guards. I mean, he's a guy that can facilitate. He can he can control the tempo to an extent. I mean, he. He he shows that he can make very good decisions with the basketball in his hand for the majority of the time. And I mean, we know that he has the NBA three. Uh, he for some reason he decided that if he was going to take and make a three, in the, especially in the last two or three games of the NCAA tournament, they had to be from 30 feet out. So he has the range to be able to score from uh, on an NBA in an NBA setting. I think that. I think that he realistically, I mean, can get into a starting role and kind of uh, and kind of build. I mean, all of these guys definitely need some work and some development, but, I mean, who doesn't at this stage? So I, I think the three names I'm looking for the most are probably Macklemore, Bennett, and Trey Burke, if he does decide to come out, who Net has projected going number six to New Orleans. So Jay, you have some final thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I just I I, I, I I would argue that Anthony Bennett is obviously you know uh, a a better player than the kid Eric Gordon, um, mainly because he can really really shoot the ball, and I'm I'm looking at his numbers, and he shot fifty five percent from the floor, which is obviously terrific. Um, he shot seventy percent from the free throw line, which is okay. And he shot close to forty percent from three, so you're you're getting a you're getting a fifty thirty seventy guy, who's your power forward, you know that's that's that has NBA pick and pop written all over it, and and he's gonna score a I think he's gonna score a ton of points in NBA, and um and and I and I just think his ceiling is 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 so high. I mean he was born in 1993. This kid is young. And, and he has so much time to develop, and with the right coach and the right system, it, 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 I, I would I would argue that sky's the limit for this kid. And I I didn't see him all year until um, his, his UNLV played in the Mountain West Conference semifinal. And in the first five minutes of the game, I was like, "Oh, this kid! This kid is ready!" And and he was he was especially when you know he's fresh. You know, he it was right at the beginning of the game. He had a three, had an and one post move like this. It can pass the ball pretty well, which is which is underrated for big men. People don't look at that that much, but he passed the ball out of double teams really, really well. And I just think he's gonna be he's gonna be terrific. So you know, Anthony Bennett, just keep him on your radar for sure.
3: Good final thoughts there. With us talking about the, the NBA draft and, and kids going pro. It's only right that we quickly take a look at the NBA playoff scope right now. Obviously, the playoffs will start a week from tomorrow on April 21st. It's it's getting thick now. There's only about two or three games left in the regular season. Obviously, out east, I believe we have a a, a full clinch in the east, um, and, and that I mean, I think we have the top eight spots pretty much solidified. Um, I'm looking at it now, and, and that looks to be the case. In the West, obviously, we have a an ongoing battle for the eight seeds between the Lakers and the Jazz. Um, you know, I say, uh, talking about the Lakers, it, it it makes me want to mention one of the news with Kobe tearing his Achilles last night, which is obviously huge news for the Lakers as they... As they are still fighting to get into the playoffs. They have San Antonio tomorrow night, and they have Golden State and Houston next week. So, and we know uh, Utah has, has Minnesota twice, and they will play Memphis as their last game. So, uh, taking a look at that final eight spot for the West, coming down to the final stretch here. Oklahoma City has moved into the to the one spot uh, over San Antonio. They're now a half game ahead of San Antonio. Um, so, uh, obviously, matchup's starting to, to fill out here. We get a sense of what we're going to see in the first round. Uh, T. Hill, I'll go to you first. Um, in the first round, what do you think are some of the more interesting matchups that we might see? Uh,
4: first and foremost, I would like to say how east. It's about what Miami does, and that's, that's just first and foremost. But um, matchup, I guess, the only matchup out of east I would be looking forward to is the Boston-New um, York series. That would be interesting just from the aspect of Boston is going to come into that series thinking that they can win it, and they're going to think that they can rough it up and, and frustrate New York. And New York, on the other hand, um, I believe they're 15-1 and one in their last 16 games. Uh, Carmelo Anthony making a case for himself for MVP of the league, if not for everything that LeBron James did, which is probably going to trump that. But um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the Knicks have to bring to the playoffs because the way that they're playing right now, I believe that they have the best chance to take out, um, to give to give Miami a run, to, to give Miami a legitimate threat to be knocked off in the East. And, you know, a lot of people, I feel like they're scared to say that because you know Miami and, and LeBron's dominance in 27 games, but New York has every ingredient to take out a team like Miami. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And Nets, Nets and um, Brooklyn versus Atlanta, which looks like the four and five out East, that could be interesting just because Joe Johnson uh, going back to his his roots out in the A. Um, you know, there's going to be there's going to be a, a little tension in that series. Um, just from that aspect alone, I'm looking forward to seeing if Darren Williams is going to continue to elevate his game. Um, the first half of the season, he had a lot a lot of questions. I believe uh, Bill Simmons wrote up a piece that just trashing him, uh, saying he was a waste of his, his uh, million-dollar uh, contract. Um, but the second half of the season, he took some rest, got some uh, ankle treatment, and he's really elevated his game. I believe he's averaging... 20 points, uh, over nine assists over the over the last over the second half of the season. Um, now West, I was hoping, you know, this I'm not a Lakers fan, but I I was hoping that they they made a run and they got matched up with San Antonio at West. But as it's looking right now, they're gonna they're they're matched up with OKC even if they make the playoffs. And I I that's just that's just uh, uh, an area that, that they don't really want to mess with. I mean, these cats out in OKC, man, they just get loose on you. And, uh,
0: <laughs>
4: and uh, you know, um, I was hoping that they got matched up with San Antonio because that would have been a better match for them. But um, I'm looking at it right now. The Nuggets, the Nuggets Golden State, that could just be a very exciting series. Um, with both teams just at a up pace up and down um at pace that they play Um clippers and clippers Memphis you know we're um we're looking to see if if, if uh, the clippers for real they were they were number one seed in the west for for the majority of the first half of the season. they kind of fell off. you kinda hear things about is uh is there problems with Benito negro is there problems with Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan because of Chris Paul's fiery leadership, you hear things, you hear stories about that. And, you know, when they put it together, we're like, Okay, this is Lob City, this is this is the team that, that's putting on a show. But then there's times you're scratching your head like can they really get stops when it counts? Can can they really can they really get baskets when it counts? Because Chris Paul is their best player, all six one of him. So you know, we're looking. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the Clippers bring coming into the playoffs this year, and um, I mean, yeah, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing who. If if New York is ready to challenge Miami out East, and who is ready to, I mean, I, I feel like the Thunder, the Thunder is a clear-cut best team in the West right now, but they have that factor of of the loss of James Harden, which is really going to come into play, especially this time of the season. So I feel that they're very vulnerable right now. And someone out West can make a run to to dethrone them out West. I'm looking forward to seeing that.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, for me, you talk about in the West, I mean, San Antonio, and I think San Antonio and New York are up against the same, um, the the same potential conflict um, coming into the postseason. I think both of them have the stigma of injury, and I think both of them are facing this challenge of being healthy. And I, I in both cases, I think if both teams are healthy, they are geared to win their conference. And and I'll even go out of the limb to say, when both teams are healthy, they have the two best rosters in the NBA. Um, when you look at them top to bottom, um I'm also looking at the the, the Clippers Memphis series in the first round. I think that's that off in the first round, off the bat we we get to see if they, what the Clippers are made of, if they're ready to take on a a dogfight series. They they played Memphis last year um and ended up winning in 7 games. Um and it kind of toughed that one out, but again, like you said, it it it'll be a test to see you know what they're prepared to do this postseason. Um in the east I, I was looking forward to I I, I didn't think about the, the Joe Johnson implication with the Brooklyn Atlanta first round series. That that will make that interesting for sure. I was I was looking forward to seeing a Brooklyn Chicago possibly, but of course Chicago Chicago dropped in that sixth spot so they'll likely see Indiana in the first round. Uh the New York Boston series I, I think will be definitely be a dog fight and again for New York it'll be a testament to them, uh much like the Clippers to see how they come out in the first round against a rugged team like Boston? That's gonna, um, that's really gonna come after them. Uh, I'll kick it to Jay next. Jay, what are you looking for um, with these matchups? What do you think we're gonna see in the first round?
2: Um, it'll be interesting. My my NBA interest level went down last night when Kobe went down, and and it, 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 I was I was truly saddened when I got my notification from Bleacher Report that that Kobe went down and you know, I just hope that he's okay because, you know, if the Lakers don't have Kobe in the first round going against Oklahoma City, they I uh, I would I would say that they they're gonna get swept. And that's gonna be a pretty quick series. Um this Houston San Antonio series could be interesting. Um especially if 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 the Spurs don't have a healthy, you know working Ginobili because James Harden is, he's just known to take over games this year and he could control the game from as far as tempo and just scoring at will. So that series is one to look out for. San Antonio's dropped first round series, the first first round playoff matchups the last couple years to teams that aren't necessarily better than them. Um, but just healthier and playing good basketball at the right time. So that's interesting to look at. Can't wait for Golden State-Denver. That's going to be awesome. This I, I think the Clippers hate that they're going to have to see Memphis in the first round because Memphis does a few things that the Clippers really, really that bother them. They rebound and they play defense. And if you rebound and you play defense against the Clippers, you can shut them down, and you can control the tempo of the game, and they're all about tempo. So that that is so dangerous for the Clippers, and we might not see you know Lob City in the playoffs for too long if they don't if they're not defensively ready. Del Negro comes in with a good game plan each game against Memphis um, because Memphis is sneaky tough, and they, they've been in the playoffs every year. For 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 the past couple years, and they've been giving people problems each year, so that'll be that'll be an interesting matchup. Out East, you know, uh, I'm I'm waiting to see if New York is is for real, and and this Boston series that 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 looks like it's going to happen, um, you know, is it, going to tell us how how legit New York is, and if they see Miami at all down the road, if they're going to be ready to actually put up. More than a fight, I, I want to see like it, it, it's no for New York. I feel like their talent level and the amount of expectations that you know the city has been has put on the Knicks this year. It's no, you know, let's let's take Miami to six games if we see them. Like people are expecting for them to win that series is is in, in New York. I'm talking about obviously, so. You know that that first series against Boston is going to show. You know, are they ready or not? And you know, and Boston could very well take beat New York in the series, and they could very well take them to seven games. And and either scenario is just obviously terrible for New York. So I, I, that New York is the team in the East that I really want to see. Are they for real? Are they? Are they actually ready to contend? And and somehow take down this juggernaut that is the Miami Heat because they don't
1: seem to be losing
2: any steam at all. And, um, you know, Indiana's scary. Brooklyn is not ready yet. Atlanta's never been ready. Chicago's a dangerous six seed. And Boston is a dangerous seven seed. So, you know, that'll be interesting. The Heat are going to beat Milwaukee in the first round, Um with their second unit, they they might rest LeBron and Wade and Bosh the whole first round because they're not going to need them, and it, it, that that's going to be a quick one. But New York, and and, and Chicago, um, in Boston, I'm really interested to see how those three teams look, um, initially. But it it, it looks like it's going to be one hot June, um, <laughs> in the NBA, and I don't I don't, and I and I'll say this now and nobody's going to beat the Heat. OKC can't do it because they turn over the ball too much, and 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 San Antonio can't do it because they're too old. And the only team that I see out there that actually has a chance to get them out of here is New York because they have the scoring natural talent to do it. Because um, I would argue that New York's a little bit more talented than OKC overall. And in Oklahoma City, Kevin Durant. Fourth in the NBA in turnovers, and Russell Westbrook is fifth. You turn the ball over against the Heat like they did last year, you're going to get ran out of the building like they did last year. So, um, and I don't see that changing. So, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to the playoffs this year. Um, So many storylines, so many great, great teams. So, uh, let's, let's get this thing going. And for sure, we'll be back next week uh, making
3: our picks. Since the the playoffs will start next Sunday, uh, we'll be back next Saturday, obviously, and, and we'll make our first round picks there. Uh, Al, you finish us off. What are you looking
2: for from the first round these playoff matchups? I mean, definitely the one of the most exciting and, and most attention grabbing uh, first round matchups. As of right now, that that if this if this actually happens, because I'm I'm looking at the standings here and. Some things could kind of be changed around. I mean, the eight teams in the East are locked in, but um, Chicago's only a half game back from Atlanta, so that could possibly turn around with, the, with three games left in the season. But um, New York Boston is is going to be. A very hot ticket. I mean, Jay hit the nail on the head when he said that we we need to see what New York's really about. I mean, they've won they've won 52 games this year. I mean, they're going to end of the year with probably with like the fifth best record in the NBA about, and uh, I mean they. They've won a lot of games, and, and they played really well, but we need to see them be resilient. I feel like we haven't necessarily seen that yet, and, I mean, that's why people doubt the Knicks as much as they do. They went on this uh, 13-game win streak at the end of the year, which which did speak a lot to, to their development and their uh, progression as a team. I mean, they did. first thing they need is they need all oh, their guys to be healthy. They need a healthy Tyson. They need a healthy Amari. They need a healthy mellow, healthy JR. They need they need all of their guys to be able to play and uh, and if they have that, I mean they're they are one of the scariest teams and they are one of maybe two or three teams that I can realistically see possibly beating the Heat. I mean at this point I, I don't think that the heat will lose i mean they shouldn't realistically is what i should say the heat shouldn't lose they have everything that they need to be able to win another championship and i mean they should if anything they they've gotten a better team since last year i i mean with adding guys like ray allen and Rashad lewis i mean you just put more shooters out on the wings for when lebron and wade drive in the entire defense has to collapse on them to to kick out too. Right? they they have the personnel to be able to win another championship and I don't see why they wouldn't but the 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 Knicks I feel like are are a team that could make things interesting. I mean a, a Knicks Heat Eastern Conference Finals, I I would I certainly wouldn't mind to see a, a series that goes seven games and I think I think they can maybe push the Heat to seven. Uh Obviously, the Heat are going to have home court advantage, so they're going to have to win at least one in Miami, which which is doable. But like I said, it, it all depends on which Knicks team shows up. I mean, Carmelo Anthony is probably the hottest player in basketball. We can almost, and uh, I emphasize almost, make a case for him being the MVP this year, off of, especially off of what he's done in the last like ten or so games, and. Uh, the, propelling New York to the second spot and kind of locking them in there as a second spot. I mean, they're three games ahead of Indiana right now with three games left in the season. So unless they bomb the last three of these and Indiana wins the last three, they kind of got second place locked up. So um, I I think that what Melo's done has been great. J.R. Smith has been phenomenal. I mean, uh, all of the guys, Iman has been very good. I mean, getting Shumpert back was as big as anything else. I think that, uh, then being able to rest Jason Kidd a little bit and, and have him play some crucial minutes in the playoffs. That's a guy that's been around the block. He knows what it takes to actually, uh, to win some playoff games, win some playoff series. So it's good to have that kind of experience and leadership. We've got guys like Tyson Chandler who already has a ring. I mean, we, they, they they definitely have the guys who it takes. So that's who I'm kind of watching the most out West. I think uh, one of the more interesting teams are are the Denver Nuggets, and uh, people kind of forget about Denver because they're they're I mean they're not necessarily a team that's going to constantly be on ESPN or constantly be talked about. But I mean, they're it looks like they're going to finish the year third. Uh, the Clippers are a game are a full game back from them, so um, that that could change up a little bit. But at the same time, uh, Denver is a very good basketball team and has the key components to be able to, to win some games. And and I think Denver can realistically, I mean, looking at the field, I think Denver can come out of the West. I don't think that they will, but I think that they can, and I think that they can um, certainly give Oklahoma City or San Antonio some issues coming down the stretch with, with the matchup problems that they create. I mean, they're a defensive-minded team with guys like Iguodala and Farid who are really going to – Really going to try to, to try to get stops, and, and they're all over the glass. I mean, they have good guards. They they can score the basketball. They get up and down. Uh, they're a very good basketball team. I like Denver a lot, so I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Denver, whose first round matchup appears to be Golden State at this point, which is another hot ticket. I mean, because uh I mean Steph Curry. You can't really say too much about him but I mean he he scores from everywhere and he he scores very easily and I mean that's a guy that you got to look out for. Um, I, I agree with what Jay said about Oklahoma City. They're going to be able to really make a run. they got to stop turning over the ball. I mean, we've talked about it for the last few years when it comes down to playoff time that Russell Westbrook has to, like, I, everyone puts the blame on Russell Westbrook. And, and I feel like he deserves most of it. I mean, realistically, he, he, he plays like an idiot sometimes. Yeah, you got, you got the scoring champ on your team for the last two years, and you're taking more shots than him. That's not okay. I mean, you're a point guard. You're supposed to facilitate, you're supposed to get other guys the ball and he does that, I mean he is a scoring point guard. They do need him to score. But at the same time, I mean he, he needs to be able to mature enough to be able to say, All right, let me let K D be our guy and and I'll play second fiddle. And he doesn't and he still doesn't seem necessarily comfortable. I mean they could win with with Russell Westbrook taking as many shots as he has uh as as they've proven with Finishing the year, I mean, like, like I said, San Antonio is a uh, half game back from them, but it looks like Oklahoma City will probably get that first seed. Um, so I, I, they they definitely have to cut down on turnovers. Uh, I think Ibaka is as big for them as anybody else. Uh, Ibaka has to has to be a dominant presence in the post. I mean, they they spent a lot of money on Ibaka. They had to deal James Harden in order to keep keep him. So I mean he has to he has to prove his worth. He has to show that all right, you guys went out on the limb to keep me. You saw some upside in me. You saw this potential. I got to start to perform. I mean I I, I saw that he, he's knocking down the corner 3 now which is which is interesting. I mean I I only saw that he knocked down a few but I mean he Serge Ibaka is big for them. They they got Kendrick Perkins who obviously has a ring already, so that's a guy that, that knows what it takes to be able to compete down the stretch. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my wrap-up. I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to New York-Boston. I think that's going to be as good of a first-round playoff series as we've seen in a while. I mean, Boston is a team that literally just doesn't care who they're playing against. They're a bunch of veterans. They're going to fight, it's like, is literal, in as literal a sense as possible, they are going to literally beat you up, and and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce are not going to fall back or, or lay down for anybody for anybody. So uh, that that'll be very very interesting. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my uh, my Jeff Green exactly. Jeff Green. I mean, they 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 definitely got what it takes to be able to uh, to to beat New York realistically in the first round. So. Well, I'm very interested in seeing that matchup. So over the next few
3: weeks, we'll definitely have more to cover with the NBA playoffs starting next Sunday. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll come back next week and we'll be making our picks for the first round as they'll be starting uh, the day after. Uh, definitely, as you guys alluded to, a lot of storylines with the playoffs Uh, coming up. A lot of things to look for with Miami going for a repeat. You know, um, Oklahoma City, as you touched on, you know, without James Harden making that trade. Um, I wrote something on on the blog, on basketballfeed.blogspot.com when when the trade went down and I kind of forecasted that it would end up hurting them in the long run. And so now we're here. Um, Obviously they're number one in the West. They've had another phenomenal regular season. So you know, with with those adjustments, we're we're about to find out uh, how much that uh, has hurt them or I guess helped them. Uh, so we're, you know, we'll 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 see these things unfold in the next few weeks for sure. Um, I, I feel bad. We're, we were going to talk about some WNBA with the WNBA draft coming up um, on Monday night. Obviously, one of the more emphasized drafts in recent memory, um, really ever actually, I should say, with um, obviously Brittany Griner coming in um as the undisputed number one pick, she will go to the Phoenix Mercury and join Diana Taurasi. Um, take that as you will. Um that look that's that's what's about to happen on Monday night. So um a lot of storylines will come for the WNBA next week. Um uh the New York Liberty who is who is close to my heart uh personally has two top ten draft picks um with Bill Lambier, the new head coach and general manager. He's done some some great work this offseason season and adding to their team. I wrote another post for on uh, basketballfeed.blogspot.com about the Lambier era starting early for the Liberty and what he's done to to kind of rejuvenate their their franchise. Um, I think we'll we'll hold off. Next Saturday we'll come back and talk about kind of the, uh, the the aftermath of the WNBA draft, which again will come on this Monday night. So we will hold off on the topic for this week. Um, and we'll come back next week and, and at least get, some, get our guys' thoughts on on the draft this Monday. Uh, we're going to kick it through our first commercial break uh, and wrap up our, our sports segment for now and come back uh, in a few minutes and talk some music. We've got a few new projects to talk about, a couple new songs, and um, Mr. Rick Ross is, is in deep water, uh, so we'll come back and touch on those things. This is The Collective. We will be back in a few minutes. yes, we're back with The Collective, coming back for our music segment. We just wrapped up our sports segment, uh, recapping from March Madness and the Final Four last week and doing a little NBA playoff speculation, which will start next Sunday. Um, We'll be back next week talking about making our picks, rather, for the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, Now we segue to our music segment, which is mostly based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com where you can find recent reviews and and feature articles. Um, we've got a few projects to, to cover to talk about this week that have dropped. Um, first and foremost, uh, we'll start with Mr. Cuddy. Um, we talked about Cuddy last week and his announcement of leaving good music. His album Indicud um, has leaked um, as of Monday, um, thanks to digital technology. Obviously, we have been able to listen to and absorb the album and uh, we, we have some reactions. There's definitely some great things from it. Um, as we said, we talked about Cutty last week and kind of what we could expect from the album, what we were looking for. I think we got something that was um, that is a, a very good collection of work, um, definitely very Kid Cutty. Uh, I'll be honest, I, at first listen, when I first started listening, I didn't get a great impression, but as most Kid Cutty music is, you have to be kind of in a certain context almost you almost have to be i would almost by yourself for the first time to listen to Cuddy and really kind of really take in and immerse yourself in what in what he delivers um uh you know obviously his style you know we talked about him a lot last week with his style and the kind of the kind of you know, music he's able to produce. Uh, Lawrence touched on the fact that he, you know, he applies a lot of music theory, you know, uh, a lot of different rock sounds and, you know, kind of almost R&B-ish, but there's no distinctive genre for Cuddy. Um, so the album Indicud, we've, we've been able to kind of listen to it, um, most likely in a review of the album coming up for our blog. Um uh, L, I'll go to you first. What are you,
2: what are you liking from the album so far and what are you taking away from it? Well, I mean, we talked about Cuddy yesterday, and we talked—I mean, uh, last week—and we talked about uh, him leaving Good Music and uh, what that would necessarily mean for him. And I—I I alluded to the fact that it really doesn't mean much in terms of his actual musical direction, and, and this in the Cut album uh, kind of confirms that. I mean, it, it hasn't strayed away from what we can expect from Kid Cuddy and it's. Uh, I mean, it's hard to expect anything from Kid Cudi because he kind of has this really, really mystical, like, aura about him, and and his music translates that to where it's it's never going to be your typical, like, there's no typical Kid Cudi, really. It's, It's always going to be some outside of the box. He's always going to try to, like... Stretch the limitations of his music. And, um, I mean, we got some more of that with this new album. He has some very, really good songs. He has some cool features. Obviously, he has his, um, his, his good friend, uh, King Chip on it, who he cited as one of his reasons for actually leaving good music to kind of, uh, help out King Chip's career. He has, um, an ASAP Rocky verse, which, which I thought was really cool. He has, he has he has very good songs on the album. I mean, Ed, from what I've heard so far, I've I only listened to it the whole way through, maybe about two or three times. But I mean, he has he has a Kendrick Lamar feature, which actually, which obviously was going to win me over right away, and and which is a very good song. It's the the part two to um solo dolo, which is on Man on the moon one. It's a solo dolo part two featuring Kendrick Lamar, where Kendrick does uh. The, actually does the chorus and then a, and then a very very strong verse uh, followed following up a, a strong uh, Kid Cudi verse. Um, he has two short feature on which I could do without, but the actual song that he's on with two feet with two short, it's pretty good. I mean I I like it a lot. We we get the, some of the classic Kid Cudi hooks and, and melodies that that I mean we've grown to love from Kid Cudi. He like you, you touched on the fact that it's almost R and B in some way, shape, or form, and, and I mean that's what he kind of does with his hooks, and that's why his hook game is as good as it is. Because I mean he 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 kind of puts together like really cool melodies that you don't expect from a hip hop artist, and he and he really does well with them. Um, He's certainly not your typical rapper at all, but if you've listened to any kid Cuddy for the past four years, which I would assume you have unless you've been living under a rock somewhere um you know that 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 is true like he's he's not your typical hip hop artist, he's not your typical rapper and and nothing that he makes is gonna necessarily sound like that, and he did good with sticking to that and not not conforming to what he thinks is popular like he he has. His sound that he kind of sticks to, and I think that this is another strong one from Kid Cudi. I think, um, in the grand scope of things, it, it it may not be as good as the Two Men on the Moons. It may not. I mean, I, I the as soon as I heard both of the Men on the Moons, I was kind of like, okay, this is this is legendary, and uh, I didn't I didn't get a legendary feel from Into but I, I I do like it a lot. Uh, like I said. I, I'm still very early in listening it, listening to it, and, and kind of trying to digest all of the ideas that he put across. So, um, uh, I it, it's pretty much a, uh, a premature kind of uh, critique of the album, but um, I, I do like it a lot. I mean, it, the songs I really, really are am enjoying currently. I, I mentioned the solo dolo part two. He has a song called "The Mortal" that's really good. The the girl song with Two Short that I mentioned has a very good hook. The the song with King Chip and ASAP is called Brothers. That's very very good. Um, uh, and also the song Red Eye, was featuring a, a girl. I want to say her name is pronounced Time, it's Haim. It's H A I M, and uh, she puts down a really good hook on it. And it's like it's a really cool song. I mean, you see, you really see the blend of that that metal album he did. He did a Realistically full on metal album Called Wizard that was his last release And you really see the blend of the man On the moon and the wizard with this album So if you were into Wizard In the least bit you would absolutely love Indica but I would say overall He he did a good job On, on maintaining and, and definitely um, there's, there's definitely Some evolution and, and there's some real good Sounds on this album I, I, would, I would Definitely recommend, uh, recommend Everyone to check it out because it, It's worth a listen I I was I was gonna touch on something you
3: okay. said which I think is, is really the best thing to take away. I think people who enjoyed Wizard and or enjoyed Man on the Moon can take things away from this album that they can really like because as you touched on it's it's almost like a blend of the two styles. Um it's also, you know, with Cuddy um, it's almost, there's almost like a hint of alternative in there. It's, it's, it's almost like alternative rock hip hop and R and B. I mean, if you're going to try and conceptualize kid Cuddy that way, um, that might be the best way to do it. Um, uh, to kind of backpack off of, um, uh, you know, a couple other, I told Lauren, you know, that one of the songs it, and it kind of veers off when you're talking about Cuddy, there's always some, you know, diversion from what you might expect, you know, a couple of songs that kind of veers off that way. Um, the the Young Lady song with Father John Misty, which has actually become kind of one of my favorite listening songs. Uh, the, the hook on there is just phenomenal, um, and I think the guy John Misty is the one on the hook. But uh, the song as a whole, I think, is good. Um, the, the song is a nine-minute cut with Michael Bolton on there, which is confusing at first glance. But it's actually it's more of an upbeat record, but it takes a few different terms, uh, turns, which actually makes for a pretty decent listening experience. I uh, I mean I mean Cuddy is just so freaking creative. Uh, it's hard it's really hard not to appreciate almost everything that he does. Obviously, you know, some songs like stick out more than others. I think the cold the cold blooded song for me has become a big recent listen for me as well. Um so you know, as a whole, as Lawrence said, I didn't get kind of I didn't get the feel as I did for Man on the Moon um, uh, particularly Man on the Moon 2, for me, I felt like was a collection top to bottom of just really um, uh, really kind of in-depth, really solidified kind of song. I mean, it was really like a, a, a package, and, and you really took away, like, something really concrete from it. Indicut is really kind of spread out. Um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of different sounds. Like you said, the, the girl song, um, it might be, might be one of the more commercial songs, but it's—I mean—it's—it's it's a, it's a great commercial record. Uh, I really enjoy that. It, there's a lot of things to take away from it, uh, for sure. Uh, that Tommy, did. have you got a chance to listen to the Cuddy album?
4: I haven't yet. Um, I mean, I'm not—I'm not as big of a fan as, as Cuddy as you guys would be. I'm not even going to front and, beat and say I am, but I have listened to the—I uh, heard the Immortal track, which I really like. And I'm um, alluding to what Ella said. I, I agree with you on the fact that. He he sings on it, and it's just like you don't really expect that, but he it sounds good, and you know it, it's it's I, I respect I respect what he brings to the game, um, from that aspect. I, I will take a listen to the album, and I also heard the uh, the, the track with Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar, which I really like as well. So um, yeah, man, Cuddy, Cuddy is is a unique rapper, man. You gotta you gotta respect what he brings.
2: Yeah, it's a you know, and
3: I'll, I'll kick it to Jay to get his thought on this because um, you know Lawrence and I talked last week about a discussion we had with one of our close friends who is a pronounced uh, non-Cudi fan. Uh, he really, he's, he's, I mean, not to say he doesn't respect Kid Cuddy, but he's not a fan. He doesn't, he didn't really understand why we liked it so much. And when I, when I, in talking to him, I kind of came up with the notion. I mean, with Cuddy, it's it's almost like your Drake complex um and and I'll let I'll kick it to Jay because Jay was talking about this with me a little bit uh this week um when you stack them up against each other obviously Drake I think it's fair to say is a much better rapper than Kid Cudi he's more of a natural rapper than Kid Cudi is but um you know Cudi has been known to sing his hooks and to do melodies and stuff like that that's that's really part of his package and it could be part of the package that people don't understand and really Really appreciate, which reminds me of the Drake complex. You know, people, a lot of people who criticize Drake aren't so much into the softer R and B side. I mean, obviously, it's what makes him so great, just for his ability to be a great rapper and, you know, kind of this, uh, dare dare I say, great R and B artist as well. Um, but his ability to go back and forth is also kind of what draws people away from him because they kind of they're not used to that kind of complex. So I think you kind of see the same thing with Cuddy. Um like I said, I'll let I'll let Jay touch on it and uh, talk about Cuddy's new album. Um, I, I I have
2: some vibes here because I am I am a life wall I would say. I'm I'm Cuddy, Cuddy, Cuddy supporter. Um, um, I've, I've liked I've his, liked his music, music for a long time, you know, since his first album. So when I uh when I got to listen to his album this week I was I was pulling an all nighter um studying and uh I was I was just you know just by myself in my in my school zone and I I just really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I can I can pick out some songs that I really like. Um but I feel like the, the overall body of work is is just is so Cudi, and and, you know, cuddy fans I, I guess would would know what I mean by that. Um, you know, it's kinda it's 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 mood music, and it's it's sometimes very dark, but 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 spirited at the same time, which is cool. Um, so I uh, I love the album. Um, in comparison to Drake, you know, I, I was talking to Martin about him, and you know, these it, Cuddy does a lot of 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 pseudo singing, and uh, Drake, you know, full out sings. And, you know, like, I I totally agree with Martin And when we had this conversation. We were on the same page with that. I think Drake is an actual better rapper than Kid Cudi is. But I would argue that Kid Cudi's singing hooks and and things of that nature, when, you know, when he sings on songs, is is almost, you know, better than Drake's, uh, for me at least. And, And I enjoy hearing him sing more than I enjoy hearing Drake sing at times. Um, but the album is, is is really really good. You know, he said something interesting, and I don't know if, if, if we talked about this, but he said that this album is how his first album should have sounded, and and that's and that's just really that's just really you know like like looking to you know how he put it together, and I feel like it was very very much just Cudi influenced and not not too many other people working on it besides, you know, him and, you know, his close people that have been working with him, you know, for the long haul. And, um, you know, that's just for a fan. That's, that's great. You know, that's, that's what you want your artists that you, that you support to do, you know, continue, you know, doing the things that got them there and just adding little pieces to kind of make it better. And um, I feel like Cuddy accomplished that with this album for sure and and i'm just I'm just looking forward to hearing you know other people's reactions to it. I'm really interested in how how much it's gonna actually sell um and uh cuddy has has this following like we like we talked about last week, where it's just you know there 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 are a there is a you know demographic of Cuddy fans like people that just really love kid Cuddy's sound his message. And I think I think all those fans, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of in that in that group as well, will support this album because it's, it's it's very very good. The production is out of this world. You know, some of the beats that that he did himself on the album are unreal. And and he's a baby Kanye in a way. You know, he has his own sound. He kind of puts things together by himself. And some tracks are just one hundred percent cutty, and like you can't and like if you're if you're looking at an artist, like you really can't ask for much more than that and and it's 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 a personalized sound that he's created, and I think he just he just does a terrific job with it and this album is is no short of that um the song "Burn Baby Burn is probably my favorite right now um I just think he just swags that one out. Uh, the song with Kendrick is crazy. The the girl song with Too Short is crazy. The brothers track with, with King Chip and ASAP I think is terrific. So you know it's a it's a great album. It's going to be a good listen. Um, you know if you're interested or if you you haven't heard much, I would say get it and, and just give it a shot because you might you might at least hear a few songs on there that you can either relate to in some type of way. Or or move you emotionally in some type of way that'll that'll make it worth it, and um, yeah, I like the wizard. I I like I, I like the wizard a lot, and I like what he did with this album. Yeah, so definitely give
3: that new cutty a listen. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on the on the album sales in the coming weeks when it's officially released and in stores. Uh, another must listen project, which I want to get guys' thoughts on. Um, and I'll kick it to 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 Lawrence first on Mr. James Blake's his second album, Overgrown, was released this week. Uh, I was blessed to be introduced to James Blake um actually recently, just in the last couple of years. Uh his first album, James Blake, was something unlike anything I'd ever encountered in my in my career as a music listener. Um, this guy and and I'll say right now and you talk about Justin Timberlake. This is another bad white boy. Um, <laughs> this guy this guy brings um, something that no one else brings to the table in music. Um, I, I've never heard, let alone a, a white, a, a, you know, not to put it that way, but a, you know, a white guy. Not to say white people can't bring the gospel, but I mean, this guy just brings the gospel, and uh, and that's just just talking about his vocals and and. You know the kind of emotion, the 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 the, the passion, and, and even the pain that he brings with his vocals and and his lyrics is is really um, unique and and borderline unmatched. Um, uh, that's just his vocals, and with, when it comes to his sound, I mean he's really. When I try to package him, I mean it's really. The, the, electronic pseudo dubstep hip hop if if that if those things even come together if you were to put those things into a cake it would come out James Blake um so and you know this second album overgrown uh, just another just an extension of the greatness that was his first album which was James Blake um so many things to take away from it uh I'm going to kick it to L real quick uh, he was part of the the um the effort in introducing me to James Blake uh, so Al, your thoughts on 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 Blake's new album Overgrown? I mean, it was
2: it was everything that uh, I I had hoped it to be. I mean, we with with James Blake's first album, uh, titled James Blake, the, the self titled album. I mean, there were there were very good songs on there, but there were also some that I, I felt like were kind of misses. I mean, it it's a completely different scope than what we're used to talking about on the show cuz we're kind of we kind of keep it to uh hip hop and R&B and this like electronic um two-step music so it's 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 really different and it i mean it's something that's still relatively new to me so it's hard for me to critically analyze uh the songs but i mean I feel like at this point, I, we kind of know what a good song is and what a good song isn't. Like, we, we know when we listen to something like, all right, this is pretty good. And, and on that first album, he maybe had some of his best songs between the, uh, the Wilhelm scream and then the, um, Limit to Your Love. I mean, this guy is a, he is a songwriter, singer, and producer, which which really which really takes the cake for me because uh, Jay touched on this too with Cuddy making some of his own stuff. When it's an artist that, when he puts out a piece of work, it's fully him, meaning that it is him that made, that did all of the production, that did the mixing and mastering, that wrote the song, that sung the song. I mean, it, it, it really is something else because it's like, all right, this is full on this guy's work. I mean, this is, and, and James Blake is one really, really talented guy. I mean, he, he's, I feel like you just said it, but he's from London, and um, he, I mean, he has still has like that heavy accent in the song which really helps him out and i i, I like that you alluded to uh the gospel because that i mean you can see the gospel influence in the way he sings i mean a lot of his stuff sounds really gospely it's like really heavy and deep it's 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 such cool music and i mean this this new overgrown album is is a very very pleasant thing to have now and i mean, and the 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 title track overgrown is is probably my favorite at this point right now and um but uh, the, between that and, and digital lion Voyeur, retrograde which was a single i feel like we talked about that on the show a few weeks ago but that was the single that came out a few weeks ago that was really really good and i mean every day i ran the bonus track he he has he does a little bit of everything on this album including the rizza feature <laughs> that that makes it an an overall good piece. I mean, I I, I love James Blake and I, I love what he's done with this album. I I love I love the direction that his music goes in because it, it is really different and we we constantly talk about it, it makes someone all the more better when they're unique when when it's when it's something that doesn't sound like anybody else and i quite simply haven't heard anybody that sounds like james blake and, and that's in terms of production and singing. i i i would struggle to find someone who I would really be like oh yeah this guy's like james blake uh, it it kind of doesn't really happen so he's he's a very cool guy and if if you haven't heard of him or if you have, but you've been hesitant to listen to them, please don't hesitate and go out and get both albums. Realistically, you won't regret it at all. It's it's phenomenal music.
3: Uh, well said. I, uh, you know, after listening to the whole thing, I will say, you know, and again, like you said, you know, looking at this critically, this is obviously a different area than we're typically used to covering on this show. Um, but as you said so well, you know it's, Being able to tell between good songs, good music, and bad music is just, uh, you know, it just takes having a good ear. That's all it really takes. Um, Someone like James Blake, as you said so well, um, you know, his first album for me was, uh, if I stack it up, uh, you talked about the, you know, Limit to Your Love. And, uh, and and Wilhelm scream probably two of my two of the songs that really kind of immersed me into the whole James Blake movement. Um, I I see retrograde and I and I see retrograde as being kind of one of those songs. You know, uh, not to say that those two were the undisputedly two best songs on his on the James Blake album. Um, I think you could pick a multitude of songs on that album and say that that's your favorite or say that it was the best. By I stack it up song for song, as you started out by saying, I think it's just a couple maybe minor misses that I could maybe do without on on the Overgrown album. Um, if you're stacking it up song for song, um, I, I think the first album, top to bottom, kind of really took me through a a fuller experience, I would say, than this one. I think the ideas may be a bit more fuller and distinct from what I read from a couple of reviews that Little more appreciative of the fact that he's t- he's taken kind of a little more hip hop route. I mean, you mentioned the RZA feature, obviously, but you know, um, kind of in in a way, his own you know his sound is kind of his ideas are developing a little more. Something that uh, one of my one of our associates mentioned when we were talking about James Blake this week. Um, uh, so yeah, we, you know, good thoughts on that. Um, uh, we we'll kick it to another, another project that that dropped this week. Um, I, know Tommy, um, I know Tommy. I know Tommy. I was talking with him this morning about James Blake, and uh, I know he hadn't. I know he hadn't heard of him or heard of the album. I'm sure he'll be looking into it though, and he'll give us his own thoughts uh, probably next week. Uh, but I know he did hear the new the, the new Big Crit uh, project, the mixtape King Remembered in Time. Uh, Crit's last mixtape, Forever in a Day, was on our top ten mixtapes of last year on our music blog. Um, it, leaving my mind at what spot it made, um, but it was on our top ten. Uh, I think number four, was it? Okay, I thought it was top five. Um, another another great uh, piece of music from Crit with King Remembered in Time. Um, a lot of things to take away from it. Um, Big Crit, first and foremost, what what people should know by now, he's a phenomenal producer. He produced the entire mixtape with the exception of one song, which was produced by Ninth Wonder. Um, his sampling ability is so manifest in this mixtape, it's it's really unbelievable. I mean, you've got a Marvin Gaye sample, you've got an M83 sample, uh, you've got a James Blake sample, who we just finished talking about um, on his song um, called Ram, I believe it's called. Um, just, you know, someone like Crit, who is naturally kind of one of those southern rappers, brings something to southern rap. Um, that is really distinct and really m- mature. And you think of when you talk about Southern rap, you're typically talking about, you know, the trap and your, you know, your young Jeezy's and your T.I.'s and your Future's Lord help us, and, you know, all these guys that, that kind of more so embody that Southern rap. But Crit, you know, Crit comes with such a, a unique approach, such a genuine and substantive approach with his production and with his lyrics. I will say, you know, I've always enjoyed Crit's production as a lyricist you know, with that Southern twang that he has, you know, obviously demographic is so huge with hip-hop, you know, when you have, you have someone like him with that hard Southern twang, you're going to, you know, he's probably more popular in in Florida than he is in New York, and that just speaks to the demographic of it, but again, you know, someone like me, who is from New Jersey, can listen to this and really appreciate the kind of ideas, the kind of messages he's he's coming with. Um he's got a song called WTF, um, which is just a, a four and a half minute kind of manifesto of a certain situation with a girl who is married but um in love with, with somebody else that somebody else for the song's sake being crit um and kind of talking about the ins and outs of that scenario and he, I mean he really takes it to a deep level with his music. Uh Tommy I'll kick it to you. What did you like from this new crit mixtape?
4: Um, I think I think you hit the nail on the head on on everything you just said about describing this mixtape. Is is the production and the sampling gives you no choice but to just vibe out to each and every track that's on this mixtape, and um, it's it's just his maturity, like you said, it, it it just speaks volumes to where he's from and and where he came from, and he's telling you about it in his raps. He's telling you stories about his life. Um, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really, really impressed by Big Crit, and I gotta, I gotta give my little brother a lot of credit, because he's, he's the one that actually put me up on him, um, my young brother Drew, but, um, yeah, man, this, 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 this mixtape is very well put together, I suggest anybody who hasn't listened to it, definitely gotta listen to it, this guy, this guy, Big Crit, you gotta, you gotta have him on your radar, man, for real. For sure. Yeah, and, and sidebar also,
3: um, last summer, I believe it was, or it might have been two years ago when we saw Wiz in concert in Philly. Was that last year or two years ago? Uh, two two years ago we saw Wiz. I guess now it would be three years ago um, we saw Wiz in concert. And Big Crick was opening for Wiz at the show. And at that point he was still kind of on the rise. He had made some features on on the Push and Orange Juice mixtape with Wiz. And, he you know, he was kind of around and we knew about him. I think this mixtape is kind of bringing him more into the light and he's bringing songs that I think are songs that you would want to listen to and memorize. I think that almost is one of the marks of a great project is if you have songs that that you want to really listen to and take in and actually learn the words to because the messages are really that resonant um, and that substantive. Uh, JR, your thoughts on on Big Crit and uh, what you you like from the mixtape that you've heard so far?
2: um i i love kurt as well um i'm i'm a i'm a huge supporter and fan of southern hip hop um i i just love i just love the sound i've had i've i've loved it i've i've loved it since since i uh, since i heard juveniles huh when i was like ten years old like i just i've i've always loved that sound um you know he's he's a He's a new school version of like a like a Bumby. He's like kind of like Bumby, like resurrected, but possibly better rapping wise. And and his production is awesome. And um, Martin, you know, I was I was watching, I was literally playing video games, watching Martin listen to it, and I could tell by his you know his facial expressions after each song that it was just ridiculous, and it was just you know everything, you know, as far as the mixtape goes. And um I listened to a few songs. I really haven't had the time to really dig into it the way I would like to. Um but uh I crit crit is Crit is that dude. Um he's he's one of the young southern rappers that are that and I hate to put him in a category and say, you know, he's Southern rapper, but I mean, you listen to him. His accent is as thick as anybody else's in the game, and you just gotta embrace it and appreciate it. And you know, my 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 family is all from downtown, so I love I love that. I love that. And and Crit is is as real as they come. And when Martin alluded to you know when we went to see Wiz Khalifa in concert a few years ago, and Crit opened up, and you know this is like this is him. This is him not really being known at all, especially not up north in Philly. But every single song, he was pouring his heart out on stage. And and as a hip-hop fan, and you're there, and even though you don't know the words, you just had the vibe with him. And that's very rare that you see that, especially at a hip-hop show. Like, usually somebody that's opening up um, for, for bigger artists, the whole crowd is just waiting for the artist who they paid for to see to come on stage. So it's, like, very awkward. It's just like people just staring at this dude going hard the whole time. But, you know, Crit, on the other hand, had the ability to, to to take you in and, and, and say, here, listen to this, listen to this message, because it was so passionate and heartfelt that you had no choice but to mess with Crit, even if you never heard him before. And, and and it's just rare that an artist has that ability, and 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 Crit has that, and he's 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 kind of floating under the radar, um you know of a lot of uh of for everybody in hip hop right now he's just floating under the radar, but once he really makes his splash, it's not going to be club bangers or anything stupid. It's going to be real authentic hip hop with a message with passion. And everything that you want in a real hip hop artist, as a as a as a hip hop purist, I should say, and and it's just gonna be it, he's 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 gonna be great, and he's already great now, um, so I, I I'm just looking forward to like really digging into this mixtape. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that it's that it's terrific, and um, and and this guy man. If you wanna talk about passion, you wanna talk about real hip hop, like he embodies that one hundred percent and he is probably skill wise one of the better Southern rappers that 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 we're gonna see. Um because he's he's essentially a New York rapper who was just, you know, born in Mississippi. So it, it's gonna be really crazy, um, you know, to see him continue to develop and, and he, his production and how much of his own stuff that he does, just like, you know, in that cutty mold, it, 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 it's, it's pretty remarkable to see how talented this dude actually is and, and his mixtape, if you listen to it. It won't take you long to realize it at all.
3: Definitely some strong points there on Big Crick and his new mixtape and James Blake's new album as well. Um, real quickly uh, before we kick to our last commercial and come back and wrap up to talk about um, our picks for the MTV Movie Awards, which will air tomorrow night on MTV. Uh, Real quickly, I want to wrap up the music segment. I want to get two quick hit, heavy hitter reactions from two top dogs in the game. Uh, Jay-Z and Rick Ross both have uh, were in the news recently this week. Jay-Z obviously dropped his uh, new record the other day, Open Letter, uh, uh, produced by Swiss Beats and Timbaland, seemingly a reaction to the uh, the rumors and the speculation and the uh, just the, the talk about his trip, recent trip to Cuba, his anniversary with, with Beyonce and all the, you know, kind of the little stuff that was going on with that, if you, if you heard about that in the news this week. Uh, so Jay-Z's new record and Mr. Rick Ross has been dropped by Reebok this week. Um, over the last few weeks, he's been catching a lot of flack for – uh the, the the verse that he put on to uh, an artist named Rocco who came out with a song um called You Ain't Even Know It. Um at least that's the concept of the song. Ross's lyric, put Molly all in her champagne, she ain't even know it. I took her home and I enjoyed that, she ain't even know it. And the lyric has been has has him in deep water right now. Reebok has officially dropped him. They've made their statement. He has since, since responded, kinda of defending himself, saying, you know, he doesn't condone rape. He would never mention rape in a lyric of his. Uh so two two, you know, two p- little pieces of news I want to get guys' reactions real quick around the room. Uh T Hill, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on Jay Z's new record and Rick Ross's new controversy.
4: Um, Rick Ross should be dropped. I feel like that's just <laughs> that's just I mean, what do you expect, man? Like you can't you can't when you're representing something, uh, a group, a brand, there's just just certain things you can't do. So that's I'm not surprised by that. And the whole Jay Z thing, I find it to be hilarious. To be honest, <laughs> I'm reading this blog right now and it's talking about how um, how Jay Z, you know, people just they take everything he says so seriously. Like he's a rapper, he can he can say certain things that's going to push the boundaries, and people really believe it. Like they're talking about him entering the uh, Cuba illegally inviting Barack Obama to come hang out with him and, and, and all this stuff. I, I just find it hilarious because he's a rapper. He he's gonna he's the greatest rapper out right now well the greatest active rapper out right now and he can say what he wants. So I just find it to be funny that people take it that serious.
3: Um yeah <laughs> um <laughs> do you, you do you think uh do you think Rick Ross? Or do you think the context, the lyrics were taken out of context? That was also part of his dissent.
4: I mean, you know, it, it's. I just feel you, you just you just can't be associated with uh, a brand that's globally globally recognized and say things like that. It's just it it, it, it doesn't come. You can't you can't really defend that. You can't. I mean. It's just you know, like you said, he's just he's treaded himself in, in in too deep of water to even to even have a defense for himself in, in that in that area.
3: Uh, well said, uh, Jay. Your
2: reaction to Jay Z's record and Rick Ross's? <laughs> I I think Rick Ross is an idiot for for that <laughs> for doing that to himself. He did that to himself really. And, and, and it's funny that we talk about Jay-Z because Jay-Z is, like, the business, you know, model for hip-hop artists. Like, every hip-hop artist wants to be able to achieve the success in the business world that Jay-Z has. Well, Jay-Z's been able to expand and expand and and, and, and venture into all these different areas that he has been able to because he has adjusted his rapping and his lyrics and his content accordingly. So he can still have a, a a okay image where he can deal with like he can be in the business world. You can't talk about raping women and 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 be in the business world as well. Like 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 you like people identify you with that now. And, and Ross just that was that was that was really stupid. By it, it was it was really stupid. Um, and and Reebok really he he gave Reebok no choice. They can't they can't say no. We're still going to back this guy. And and you're talking you're talking like that about women like you, you, you're an idiot like that's, that's that was very stupid by Rick Ross that was his mistake and everybody's entitled to make mistakes so I'm not going to go too far with it and, and beat him up about it I think in the future he'll obviously be more conscious of what he's saying especially in 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 relation to his his business deals and and his partnerships with different people so you know lesson learned for Rick Ross. Um, as far as his goes, you know i, I that that it, it, he went on vacation with his wife um from the things that I read about it you know he
1: he he
2: did comply with some of the things that the government some of the government rules um as far as what you can and cannot do when you go to Cuba and 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 he and beyonce did comply with some of those things to make the trip okay. And you know, I mean, why can't people travel? People can't travel. You can't go to Cuba. Like, why not? Like, like, you, you know, like, like you can't just go and 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 like it, it, they weren't spending a ton of money, but the whole problem is that you know you're not supposed to spend any money, you know, with with uh, as far as like exchanging money in Cuba of any sort, and that's stupid. So. You know, back up, man. I know he's like been seen in, like the like the like I guess in politics now. He's kind of like not a figure, but he's been seen with you know Obama a lot and the inauguration and and stuff like that. And obviously, he's a high-powered businessman in America now. But I mean, like stand on people's personal stuff. Let them do what they want to do. I'm sure he. I'm sure he and Beyonce. They are two. Smart enough people to know what they can do and what they can't do and what they have to do to be able to do things. these trips aren't planned spontaneously for the most part, and I don't think a trip to Cuba was spontaneously planned, so they knew what they were doing they they I'm sure they followed everything that they had to And the backlash i mean this this should be this should be you know swept under the rug realistically' Because it's not that big of a deal and I'm happy he just got them out of here in a rap song, which is just you know all oh, that's. That's, that's the way to do it for me as far as Jay-Z is concerned. So, you know, all all is fair. Um, uh, I just think people need to mind their business as far as, like, what they're doing on their off time. Um, they are not politicians. They are entertainers, so leave them alone. Um, and that's all I really have to say about that one. Yeah, because I think we're all on the same
3: page with the whole Ross situation. Uh I do think, honestly, I mean, when you talk about, as Tommy said before, with Jay Z, I mean, rappers obviously look to push the boundaries with their lyrics. I think up to this point, with the way Ross, you know, with his genuine approach, with his typical approach, approach, I should say, when he when he wrote that verse, I don't think he could have, I don't think he expected to get as much flack for it. And I say that knowing that in the past. He has talked, I mean, if you look at Rick Ross's lyrics from the past, I guarantee you, you find plenty of uh, really inappropriate, explicit references that could probably be, you know, uh, called out or, or, you know, called to attention by some, you know, committee somewhere. It just so happens that, you know, on a song like that, in that context, I think we're on the same page. It's just an idiot move on his part to even bring that kind of attention um, to himself, to even create, to even allow any kind of room for that, I do think he did it without even knowing. I think I think this took him by surprise. I really do, um, because I think when you're at that level, I think you at this point you're kind of just you kind of get away with stuff. I mean, we're hearing guys talk about you know drugs and, and drug affairs and, and gang affiliation all day. You know, it's 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 amazing the kind of stuff they get away with, and I, I think Jay. Jay was right about the fact that his awareness is certainly up now about what he's saying, who he affiliates himself with business-wise, um, and as Jay said, lesson learned for both parties, for Rick Ross and for Reebok. Uh, I'm sure you know Reebok is taking a little something away from this too in terms of who they deal with. Um, the the Jay Z record, I you know I, I brought it up. We did talk about Jay Z a few weeks ago when the Dream made the comment on working on his solo album that Jay Z was more gritty. And um, if I if I'm going to make a comment, I, I think this this it's no, there's no announcement of if the record will be on his upcoming album. But um, based on what he was saying, I mean, he has a Chief Keef reference. He calls himself the father of rap. Uh, the, the 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 style is there. The delivery is there. And dare I say, I think I sense a hint of grit there. So um, you know, we'll we'll have our eyes open for you know for new stuff from Jay Z. And as always, we'll be back on the collective to talk about it. Uh, We're going to kick it to our final commercial break for a couple minutes, come back and wrap up very quickly. Um, The MTV Movie Awards will air tomorrow night, and we've got a couple categories that we're going to get our picks from from our hosts. Uh, So we'll be back in a couple minutes with The
1: Collective. Yeah. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, national representative of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam. The final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com.
3: Wrapping up with our show, we've got about six minutes left here. Um As we said before we left, the MTV Movie Awards will air tomorrow night. A lot of movies movies we've talked about recently um, nominated. uh, uh, We've got Django Unchained, which is nominated for uh, seven awards. Uh, Ted is up for seven awards as well. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook up for six. Dark Knight Rises, The Avengers, uh, Skyfall, Les Miserables, among others. Um, To kind of narrow it down to kind of the four basic categories. I'm sure everyone hasn't seen every movie that's been nominated so far. Uh, but I do want to get guys' thoughts and their picks for these nominations. Uh movie of the year, the nominations, uh well rather I guess we'll start at the bottom and work our way up. Um nominations for Best Villain. Um uh Javier Bardem from Skyfall, Leonardo DiCaprio and Django, um, Tom Hardy who played Bane obviously in The Dark Knight Rises and Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki in The Avengers. Uh, Tommy, your pick for best villain.
4: Pick for best
3: villain,
4: I would have to go T-Hilla, with... Uh, T Hill, You got me? Yeah. yeah. You there? I will probably go with Leonardo DiCaprio and, um, and Django. You know, just the, the, the preparation he always puts into to his roles. I really find uh, his acting ability, you know, very... Very on par with whatever he attacks, and I think he he accomplished that in his role in Django Unchained.
3: Uh Who I I think I I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start with my pick uh, going forward. I actually didn't see the new James Bond the Skyfall movie, but I, I've I've read enough about it, and I'm sure we all haven't seen all of these movies. But I know between all of us, at least uh, one of us has probably seen one of them. But from what I've read and from what I saw, the the villain the villain Javier Bardem from Skyfall. Uh, was phenomenal and actually he's one of my favorite actors the guy who is also in uh, uh, No Country for Old Men he is a chilling villain um, so I'm actually going to go with him even though I didn't see the movie you um, your pick for best villain for the MTV Movie Awards
2: I really like Loki and in um, Avengers I think he did a really good job but I would um, and also Fed, can you give me the list one more time uh, Leonardo DiCaprio Django he you know, was awesome uh, Candy Party of and, uh, the guy who's not- I'm gonna have to go with Tom Hardy as Bane. I think, I think everything that they did with the Bane character and really making him like, I was genuinely scared of Bane watching The Dark Knight Rises, and I think that. Uh, I mean that's that's what a villain's supposed to do. He's supposed to actually upset you in some way, shape or form. He's supposed to put you in a mood and, and realistically they made Bane seem like he was unbeatable, like he was realistically going to beat that man, which was one of the best parts of the movie. So I, I would I would have to go with him. I did like Leonardo DiCaprio and Django was awesome. I think he did a great job and um I, I did like like I said, I liked Loki. I, I'm not familiar with Skyfall either, but I'm sure that like, guy was great. <laughs> But I I would have to go with Bane. Bane was awesome. Jay, your pick for best villain? Oh, I'm going with Bane as well. If you watch watch the the movie, movie, yo, Bane threw hands on Batman every time they fought each other. Like, like (laughs) he literally literally, like you're like (laughs) like, hands doubled. So I'm going with Bane. Actually, he went out kind of whack in the movie if you saw it. Uh, like, like, real real back, back. Back. like 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 Bane was throwing sweet hands on him every single time, so I'm going with Bane just because of that. Uh, fair enough. We're closing in on the last minute
3: of our show, so we're going to skip it right to movie of the year. The nominees are Django Unchained, Silver Linings Playbook, The Avengers, and The Dark Knight Rises. Tommy, your pick for movie of the year.
4: This is completely biased and emotional pick. I'm picking The Avengers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh Jay, your pick movie of the year. Um I, Tommy just said it for me. I'm going with the Avengers because uh, that's my favorite movie this year. I would actually throw a, a curveball in here and go between either Django or Silver Lining's Playbook. Silver Lining's Playbook was one of the one of the best movies I feel like
4: I've seen in the last few years. It was really, really cool.
3: So it's also for L there. I think I think I'm going with the Avengers. Um, as well, obviously, it's, what is it, five against one. You've got the best superhero movie of all time there. So I think that warrants uh, We've got 10 seconds left here, so we're wrapping up with week nine of The Collective. Uh, this is your host, Martin Sores, Jason Reels, Lawrence Rios, Tommy Hill, signing off for another week. Uh, check us out next Saturday at 1 o'clock. Again, Again, we appreciate our callers, our sponsors, and everybody involved. Shout-out to Nate McFlair, Shout-out to Chris Shaw, the God, our show producers and logo designers, we appreciate you, and we will see you guys next week. Deal. Yeah.